0: It's good to see everybody here this morning. We're on a five-week series called God's Gift to Us. We're going through a passage, John 14, uh, 15, and 16. Uh, it's the upper room discourse. The upper room discourse is when Jesus is with a, nobody else but his disciples around a table, sharing his most intimate thoughts, his most intimate feelings, um, not necessarily not saying goodbye to his disciples, but within 24 hours, he's going to the cross. And then all of a sudden he's going to be raised again, and then he'll spend 40 days, and then he'll be ascended to heaven. Jesus knows his future, and as he knows his future, he's given the last words to his disciples, given an explanation to his disciples, given gifts to his disciples. And so as he's given these last words, I would say that they're extremely rich, just in a sense that he's summing up his life, summing up his mission, summing up his ministry all in these these chapters. And then he's giving his disciples these ultimate blessings, these ultimate gifts for them to carry the rest of their lives. So as we're looking into these chapters, we definitely do want to glean on everything that is said in there. But specifically, we're going to glean on the things that he hands to the disciples, that he reminds the disciples, and say, these are my greatest gifts for you. I'm going to the cross. I will raise. I will then ascend into heaven. But... Hang on to these things as you live. us well, it's given to the disciples. It's definitely going to be given to us. So we want to understand these. We want to take them. We want to live by them. Last week, the greatest gift was faith in the eternal home. Gives that on John 1, 1 through 7. And today's gift that we're going to talk about is God has given us the capacity of knowing him personally. Let's read the passage, then we'll work through the passage. John 14, 6 through 12. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. If he had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. There's the gift. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you, believe, do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative. But the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. In greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Let's work through this passage and understand what it's talking about. Number two, this gift is not knowing about God, it is knowing God. There is thirty, seven hundred different religions in the world, and how many religions claim to know um, about God? Many religions claim to know about God, but you can talk to an agnostic and say, No, God is too extreme, we can't even know about him. But what takes place in religions is they are prophets, and there's people who receive dreams, people who receive visions, and then they come back and say, I've got some insight on the clouds above. I got some insight on the creator. I got the insight on God, the huge God. And then often a religion will even start. 3,700 religions, and a lot of them say, we know about God, and what do they want to do? They, They proclaim it. They say it. But let me ask you another question. How many religions claim to know God personally? There's a big difference, and I'll explain the difference. But how many religions claim to know God personally? Not only know about him, but know him personally. There's only one. One claims to know him personally, and it is through the Bible. It is Christianity. Let's look as he's talking to his disciples. John 14, 7 says, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him. From now on means what? From right now, for the rest of your life, you'd him. Well, what about all before then? Well, what about you know, the Old Testament? What about what has taken place you know, all through the history? Jesus makes a statement, but from now on, I'm giving you this gift, you know him. Let's talk about what he's talking about. There's two different knowings. There's an informational knowing, and then there's a personal knowing. Now, you can know somebody through information, but you can also know somebody personally. When I fell in love with my wife, we had an informational relationship. Let me tell you, it did not last very long. But what does an informational relationship look like? It's like, well, what's your name? (laughs) And then what she does, she provides me with that information. Where are you from? She provides me with that information. I'm receiving an education on who this woman is, you know, before any sort of relationship takes place. What do you do? Where do you live? What are your hobbies? We're in an informational conversation that has taken place there. But then once the informational conversation takes place, uh, as time goes, we move into a different step a completely different step. What's the different step? We start to talk about issues that affect the way that we live. In other words, what's important to you? What makes you hurt? What motivates you? What makes you tick? What excites you? What gives you joy? What gives you happiness? And then once you start talking about those issues, the relationship starts to grow and the relationship starts to build build into what? It crosses another line after it crosses that line, And it crosses the line into, after 23 of marriage, what is important to you is important to me. What makes you hurt, what makes my wife hurt, now makes me hurt. What motivates my wife is a motivation for me. This afternoon, we're having a graduation party at our house, and and uh, she went and got, I think, 200,000, 300,000 flowers. (laughs) Not quite that many, but it sure seemed like that many, and if you get all these flowers, you know what happens when you get them. They need to be planted, and they even need to be planted immediately. I am not motivated to plant flowers immediately but she is motivated to buy them and to put them into our yard. So when she comes home, it doesn't take me very long from be not motivated to extremely motivated through the conversations of her motivation to make sure it gets done. I will move rapidly at getting those flowers planted. What do you call that? It's a different level of relationship. We're no longer talking about information. What is motivating her actually has captivated my heart, and what's taken place is I'm motivated because she's motivated. What makes her tick is, is important to me. Gives her joy. What makes her happy is important to me. Let's look at God. What kind of relationship do you have with God? Every religion has an informational relationship that often comes from a third-party person. I will come up here and I'll give you an example and I'll give you an education about who God is. It's a huge education. As you take this education, it's like, oh, this is who God is. Oh, this is what God wants me to do. This is what God wants me to talk about. Oh, this is what the insight is from the God in the Bible. It's usually even a third-party information. There's a lot of people that come to church for the specific of an educational relationship. Pastors teach, you want to learn. You want knowledge. You come to church, what for? You want an education. You come to church, why? Because you want to understand God's teaching. You come to church, you want to be challenged to do God's teaching. You want to understand the laws? Why? Because you want to obey the laws. But is this where it stops? Or does God want us to cross a line into something else? He's talking to his disciples and say, "From now on, you know me." Well what does that mean? God does not want an informational relationship with you. He wants you to hurt when He hurts. The things that are important to him, he wants to be important to you. The things that he cares about, he wants you to care about. See, we are not informational people because information doesn't drive us, information does not push us, information does not make us. Information is nothing but stuff in our head that almost even weighs us down. We are emotional people, we're people with a heart. And when Jesus came to this earth, he came, he died, he rose. This purpose is to display who God is. This is the emotion that God has for you. What do you want to do? He wants you to embrace it so you hurt when he hurts. You're happy when he ha- he's happy. You, your cares are his cares, your will is God's will. The things that matter to God are all of a sudden things that matter to me. Things that God wants is the things that I want. Do you see that personal relationship? It's way beyond an educational relationship. Number three, this gift is not hearing about God from another person. It is seeing him personally. Job went through extreme amount of struggles in the Old Testament. And if you know the story, uh, God said to Satan, it's like you can have him, but don't take his life. So he went struggles of losing his family, losing his home, losing his wealth, losing his money, losing his health, losing just about everything. But he continued to keep his faith and survived all the way through it. And at the end of the book, he makes a statement, I used to know you, but now I see you. Now I see you work. I see you walk. I see you care. I see your grace. I see your beauty. I see your character. Through those trials, what's his statement? Is I see God. See, this is the relationship that is given to us. John 14, 7, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him, and you have seen him. If you just look at our passage, what does Philip say? Philip say, Jesus, come on, get me back to education. Just show us the Father, and it will be enough. And Jesus then what? Confronts him and says, you don't understand, Philip. You don't know me. I've been with you this long. You don't know me. Therefore, you don't know the Father because you, the heart has been given to you. The Father's heart's been given to you by me. So Philip's even confused. Just give me an education. And we starve for that education. And he's confronting us. I'm not trying to give you an education. I'm trying to give you the heart of God for the purpose of falling in love with God. This gift is not hearing about God from another person. It is seeing him personally. It is knowing him personally. It is walking with him personally. It is feeling what he feels. So if this is a gift, it sounds like an amazing gift because we are all people about relationships, but if we're all about relationships, why do people continue to reject God? There is a reason. Number four, many people reject the gift of knowing God because it is too relational. And relationships make you lose control of your life. (laughs) Often we think, okay, people reject God because they just don't understand. People reject God because he's not proven. People reject God for every reason except probably the relational one. But you know the primary factor why people reject God? Is because it's too relational. And what happens in relationships? In relationships, you lose control. When you let people in, you actually give them control. Let me give you an example. We're just going to talk about friendships. When you have a friend and you talk with a friend, you're giving them a piece of your heart. How do you know you give them a piece of your heart? Because say that friend moves away. i just give you a fast story. You know, I have a friend and all of a sudden the friend moves to Idaho. And then I call the friend and say, hey, how are you doing? He says, good, you know, I'm in Idaho. And I'm like, what? What are you doing in Idaho? Well, you know, I moved there last week. There's a frustration that takes place. A frustration says, you moved to Idaho and you didn't even let me know? How long has this been in the work? How long has this been taking place? What's in your mind? What's going on? Why? What happened is I gave that friend a piece of my heart. And when I gave him a piece of my heart, I gave him a piece of control. And when he took that control and he took it to Idaho without giving me his mind, there's a frustration that takes place. And there's almost even a frustration. It brings, <laughs> I'm, he, you're not my friend anymore. Why? I give you a piece of my heart and you hurt it give you a piece of my heart, you abused it. What about being put down? Many people can put you down, but if a friend puts you down, what happens? It's a lot worse. And the reason why it's a lot worse is because you've given them a piece of their heart, and he's taken your heart, and he has put you down, and it comes with power. Every relationship, you start losing control of your life. Divorces come across extremely nasty. Why are divorces so nasty? Why do we hate our exes more than anybody else in the world? And the reason why is because we give them our heart, and as soon as we give them their heart, we're so connected. We've lost control. We've given them control, and then all of a sudden, they take that control, and they, they, you feel like they, they rip it out. Of course, it's always the other person's fault. Well, often even it's even our fault. But that's what takes place in, in divorces, that when you give yourself away, you give them power. You give them control, and we're afraid of it. How do you know we're afraid of it? <laughs> we're living in a generation that's, they don't want to get married. They'd rather just live together and not make the contracts. Why? Because if the contracts get broken, they give each other away, and when they give each other away, it hurts too much. It's too complicated. Let's keep the relationships shallow. We don't want to share all our intimate thoughts. The reason we don't want to share our intimate thoughts is because then that person will know. That person will have power. That person will have control. So we keep our intimate thoughts to ourselves. We keep our hurts to ourselves. We keep our sin to ourselves. Why? Because it's a protective mechanism to maintain control. We do not want to give our hearts away, because if we give our hearts away, there is fear that it could be broken. C.S. Lewis made a quote, comment, if you don't want your heart broken, don't give it to anybody. There's some good advice. If you don't want your heart broken, keep it for yourself, and don't give it to anybody. And guess what? It will not be broken. Let me finish the quote. It will not become broken, It will become unbreakable, hard, impenetrable, and unredeemable. If you keep your heart to yourself from relationships, what's happening? You are growing a hard heart. You see, God has designed us specifically for relationships. But what happens in a relationship? You're giving control. It fears us. Therefore, we try to protect ourselves. But according to C.S. Lewis, and according to, I would just even say, nature, according to statistics, this is what happens to people. We're designed to give our hearts away. Why were we designed to give our hearts away? Well, let's go right back to the Bible, because God made us to be designed to give our hearts to him. He's made us to be designed to give our hearts to him. Okay, I'm going to have a relationship with God. Well, that scares me to have a relationship with God. So we've done two different things. Well, I don't want to have a relationship with God, therefore, um, because he might tell me what to do, or he might tell me how to behave, or he might give me his desires and wills, and I don't want his desires and wills, so I don't really want to have a relationship with him, so I'll just say he doesn't exist. And we'll try to use science and everything in the world to prove that he doesn't exist. And the reason why we try to do that is because we want to be our own God. The other thing that we can do is if we can make God big enough, We can make him large enough. We can put him in the clouds that is so far beyond our mind, then then that relationship is not this close. It controls us, touches us, moves us, motivates us. So we just keep God really big. Why do we do that? So we continue to maintain control. But Jesus is saying, I'm giving you a gift. Take the gift of relationship and I will care for you. I will take care of you. I will love you. I will embrace you. As you walk through life, everything you've ever dreamed about is going to happen, even if this life is tough. This relationship's not going to be broken. It's going to be a perfect relationship. But still, we reject. It's too close. It's too personable. John fourteen six this is right at the top of the passage. Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus wants to get extremely personal. Let's look at each of these words. I am the way. What does the way mean? Well, the way means is, you know, it's the direction that it's going to be. I am the one. Why do people hate Christianity? The reason why people hate Christianity is because it's exclusive. If you start using the comment, you are the way, that's way too personal. That's way too exclusive. What about everybody else that grace, something else? What about everybody else in different relationships with God? Why do you make yourself, you're the only way? The exclusivity makes us hate Christianity. But let's just put this in a different factor. If I looked at my wife and I had a relationship with her and I said to you, do you know what? You are a way I can have children in this world. How do you think she'd respond to me? <laughs> Excuse me? Did you say I am a way? Yeah, there's some different ways that I can have children in this world, but you are a way that I can have children in this world. Uh, We would no longer (laughs) have relationships or we'd be struggling because of those simple statements or or, or comments. Or you are a way that I'll be able to find love. You are a way that I'll be able to be intimate with somebody. If I start making those comments, my relationships are are then gone with my wives because God did not design it that way. He wants a relationship, and if there is a relationship, there is a connection, there is a commitment, there is a bonding, there is a personal one-to-one that doesn't share across the fields. We say those words all the time. Many people say these words, and we hear hear it all the time. The reason why I don't like Christianity is because it's exclusive. Well, exclusivity is relationship. Therefore, we definitely reject it. People reject it. Why? Because that's just too personal. Let's look at the other one, the truth. People dislike Christianity because relationship is on God's terms. All relationships are on the other person's terms. If I went to somebody and said, hey, I'd really like to um, get to know you, and uh, I'd like to um, get to know you uh, right now. So let's go to my office, and let's talk, and let's have a conversation. And that person says, well, you know, I'd rather just, you know, Tomorrow I'll go out to coffee with you. And if we went out to coffee, that'd probably be you know, a different situation. We could just relax and we could stalk and get to know you. And you know, I look at her and say, no, absolutely. I look at him and say, absolutely. No, I want to get to know you right now. What I did is I just broke that relationship. That person's like, this guy's like, what does he want to say to me? Why does he want me to his arm? What's going on? I didn't do it on their terms. If somebody else gives you the terms, this is how we're going to have a relationship. That's how all relationship starts. Well, our relationship with God is on, on his terms. He says the word's, I am the truth. My teaching is, is over your feelings. If you want a relationship with me, this is the way it is, and it's going to be dominating your feelings. My teaching is going to be over your um, public opinion. And when you're threatened with a lot of public opinion, I think I'll brace this and I'll embrace this. My teaching is going to be over all the other gods. Why? Because he wants a relationship. I am the truth. Now, this is an aggressive relationship. The way, the truth, he wants us to connect. And as he's wanting us to connect, you can only connect in a deep-hearted, seated relationship on one-on-one, and we see that in marriage. God even wants to go beyond marriage in a sense of heart-to-heart, soul-to-soul, mind-to-mind connection inside of this relationship. It scares us. We reject it. Why? It's just too personal. It's just too much. Let's look at the last one, the life. People dislike Christianity because it's too big. (laughs) God wants too big. What what does he want? He wants our reason. He he wants the reason that I get up in the morning to be um, him. I am the reason. This is what God wants. I'm the reason you wake up. I am the reason you work. I'm the reason you love. I'm the reason that you make money. I am the reason for everything in your existence. That's a pretty aggressive relationship. That's a relationship that that God is asking for. That is a relationship that God wants. And I will tell you that it is extremely personal. And again, that's why Philip says, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, look out. This is a lot. Just give me the education because you're asking for a little bit too much. And Jesus' response is, I'm not giving you the education. I'm giving you me. I'm giving you me if you don't want your heart to be broken don't give it to anybody but then it'll not become broken it'll become unbreakable impenetrable and unredeemable if you don't want your heart to be broken that's again the quote from C.S. Lewis if you don't want your heart to be broken hold it tight but if you want your heart to be soft if you want your heart to move and you want life to come into you take your heart and give it to the perfect God that is out there take your heart And give it to Jesus. Take your heart and give it to the one that went to the cross and said, I will die for your sins, and this is how much I love you. Take your heart and give it to somebody that will not take advantage of it. Give it to God who will not take advantage of it. Give it to God who will carry it. Give it to God that will walk with it. Give it to God that will move it in the likeness of his will. Now we're starting to talk about salvation. How do you give it away? three steps to give it away. Let's look at some steps to give it away. Number 5, if you're going to give your heart to God, you're going to know God personally, you must believe in Christ. Uh, you must believe in who Christ says he is. This is the first step. I want to give my heart to God. You can't do it without Christ. And those are the words that he has said before. Now you know him because I have arrived. You got to know who Christ is. Let me explain who Christ is. Christ is God made man. Christ is God made man. And when he came as man, what happens? We know exactly what he looks like. And when he know exactly how he looks like, in the sense of way he feels, in the sense of who he is, in the sense of his emotions, in the sense of his hearts, in the sense of his wills, he is speaking our language. He has given us an understanding of a human being, but so much more, Jesus is. He's given us an understanding of God. So if we take the theology out that, well, Jesus is not God, well, then you don't know who God looks like. You have no idea what God looks like. You have no no idea who God is. Why? Because you don't speak God language. You speak human language. And when Jesus came as God, man, now we get to see the heart of God. First step is everything Jesus does, everything Jesus wills, everything Jesus interacts with, every emotion that Jesus has, you're getting the heart, mind, and emotions of the Father. John 14 10 says, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works of themselves. I'm trying to tell you what God looks like. I'm trying to tell you how God feels. And if you believe this, look at this passage, what takes place. The Father is abiding in me, does his work. If you believe in Jesus, the Father is what? The relationship is now connecting. The relationship and the exposure is taking place. The personal richness that all of us are looking for in a relationship are then happening just under the sense of, Jesus, you are God. I will love you in the process of loving you. I will see the Father's character, mind, heart, and will. Number six, to know God's personally, you must view the mind, heart, character, and emotion of God through Jesus. You want to see his love? Look at Jesus' love. You want to see the Father's grace? Look at Jesus' grace. You want to see the Father's commitment? Look at Jesus' commitment. You want to see how the Father works? Look how Jesus works. You want to see the Father's character? Look at Jesus' character. And when you fall in love with Jesus, you are then falling in love with what? You're falling in love with God. See, many of us think that the Bible is a book for us to get information. And the reason why we like the book for us to give information is because then the Bible is about me. Well, the Bible's not about me. The Bible is about God. And inside the Bible, there wants to be a display of his character, a display of his emotion, a display of his heart, a display of his will. And when you read it, what are you supposed to see? You're supposed to see who God is. And in that process of seeing who God is, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to fall in love with God. In that process, I'll give you a challenge. When reading the Bible, don't even focus on the law. Focus on love. Focus on the character of God in the Bible. Why would I say something so aggressively? It's because knowing the law hasn't done anybody any good. I mean, just to throw some things up, Stormy Daniel's lawyer you know, passed the bar exam, and he's going to jail. He knows the law better than anybody in this room. But it didn't do him any good. Knowing the law doesn't do you any good. Something else motivates you to complete the law. And what would that motivation complete the law? Let's just look at it into our children. We all raise are raising children, and uh, when they you know are younger, you know things start working. But when they get adolescence, you know things start. Oh my goodness, my child does whatever he wants. How do you control a child's behavior? Um, if you want to manage children, how do you manage children where they will listen to you, they'll walk with you, they will do what they, what you say? I mean, wouldn't that be a dream that every child, every word you spoke, they just did what they say? Uh, what would be a way to do that? Um, children will do what you say if they're surrounded by security. Where do you get security? You do it from love. If a child is secure with themselves, secure with their environment, secure with all the situations— the child's character is going to be motivated to do what you say. Why? Because they're secure enough. They don't have to fight. They don't have to argue. They carry a security. When a child has confidence in themselves, confidence in a situation, confidence in the decisions that they make, what's going to take place? They're going to make the right decisions. Where's confidence going to come from? It's going to come from a shower of love. People, kids behave when there's fear of disappointment. I don't want to hurt my dad. I don't want to hurt my mom. I don't want to hurt the next person that I can even be work with. There's a fear of disappointment. Where do you get the fear of disappointment? You don't get the fear of disappointment by understanding the laws. You get the fear of disappointment by having your heart touched with absolute love. And when that takes place, what happens? We are then motivated not to do the law, but motivated to even complete the law. I don't want to do this because there's a purpose behind it. But all of it is centered around love. All of it is centered around relationships. The Bible is displaying the character of God for one reason, that God loves you, love him, and respond accordingly. John 1.18, this is the verse that John was going to open up his whole book with. And he cleans it up in John 14, as so we read the passage, but he opens up the whole book with, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, but then he makes this statement. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has now explained him, and what does he say? He loves you, he cares for you, he's committed to you, he walks with you, he won't leave you, he will not forsake you. He, we go a whole list of the character of God that is given to you. And what is he saying? Just fall in love with me. Because if you fall in love with me, what's going to take place? Everything will take place. That's why I put the two greatest commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love others, and everything else will be completed because we obey laws when we love, not because when we receive laws or are educated by laws. Number seven, the New Testament will not even speak to you about anything else until you answer this question. Do I know God personally? Christianity is coming to a person. If you are not willing to do that, nothing else will make sense. Yes, you might say I want to do my marriage to be better. Therefore, I'll walk into church and maybe they have some answers and some principles to make my marriage better. I'm struggling, maybe there's answers and principles in the Bible that will help my struggles. I am struggling in regards to depression, oppression, my emotions are not good, they're not healthy. Maybe there's an answer in the Bible, well, they'll be able to pick up my emotions. Through relationship, all those things are answered. Outside of relationship, there is no answers in the Bible. That's the way that God functions. Why? Because the person that wants a better marriage needs a relationship with God inside of their marriage. A person that wants to get through their struggles needs the relationship with God to walk with them through their struggles. A person that wants to not longer be oppressed by sin needs to walk with the forgiveness and under the shelter of God as they're walking and rooting out their sin. Do you see what's taking place? everything's driven by this relationship and everything comes into completion by this relationship. John 17, three says, this is eternal life that they may know you the only true God. If you notice, this passage does not say, uh, this is how to get eternal life. He says, this is eternal life. Come and get to know me now. And you'll just pass from this life to the next. But eternal life starts when you get to know him now. And then, yes, you'll have a complete manifestation when you get to heaven. But getting to know him now, walking with him now, loving him now, being with him personally now, is the start of eternal life. So ask the question: Do you know him now? <laughs> Have you embraced the relationship? Or are you intimidated by the relationship? Do you want the relationship, or do you say, I want to be my own God? Embrace Him now would be the challenge to you. And how do you embrace Him? God, show me your glory. Are you the one, or is there somebody else that's supposed to come after you? And if you're the one, God, I want to know that you're the one. You start speaking like that, I will tell you, your heart will open up to the beauty of who Jesus is. Encourage you to do so. And if you know him, my challenge is you to feed off his character. Even sometimes read the Bible rapidly. When you read the Bible rapidly, you get to see how God works and his character just kind of explodes. But look at the Bible through who the character of God is, the love of God is, and the commitment of God is. And then, of course, embrace him every day as your relationship goes. You want your heart to be his heart, your mind to be his mind, your will to be his will. Start the relationship and let it happen. Father, we just thank you, God, that you have pursued us in this relationship. God, a relationship is what all of us desire. And God, many people in the world do not believe that we are even capable of having a relationship with God. God, since Jesus came, we are capable, and there is a statement that we, are, that we are capable, and we thank you for this opportunity. Don't let us miss this opportunity. Help us to embrace you in this relationship, to love you like you loved us, to give to you like you've given to us, to go after your will, God, because it is on your heart, and we want it to be on our hearts. Thank you for this relationship. Help us to embrace it and live by it. In Christ's name, amen.